This is exactly right. Georgia Hardstart. That's Karen Kilgariff. And this is the Christmas holiday season. That's right. Hanukkah has long gone. Long gone. That was like, didn't it start in November? November until December 6th. It was such a bummer when I was a kid when this would happen. Because it was like too close to Thanksgiving? It was just like over so quickly and then everyone was still being festive. Yes. And then... But it was kind of nice to have nothing to do during the Christmas break. Oh, that's true. You know, no parties or anything. No parties and no... Um, I mean, do you worry about gift giving the way people do for Christmas? Uh, th- some people do. I don't... No. I'm not a big holiday gift person. Like, we don't really do it much as adults. It's for the kids. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, my mom will give a pair of slippers or something, like a bathrobe or something cozy, but... You save it all for Purim. That's right. Hard Purim. A hard Purim. No, we'll do like gift cards or whatever, but we're just not that big Yeah, on it. Yeah. I think it, for Christmas, we used to be because I think my mom had such a bad oh. childhood that she always was just like, look, everyone, you have themed gift areas need or whatever. Theme, need to make it big and exciting because I didn't have that. Yes. Aww. And make up for stuff, which yeah. was fine. But we were so spoiled. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just kind of like, I didn't get the bits I want. There was a lot right. of that uh, attitude that I'm ashamed about now. Yeah. But then once when my after my mom died, it was very perfunctory. And we just for each other. Yeah. We would just get what we could get. Like and keep it up. But only kind of for mom. It all got pointed toward Nora. Of course. Of course. So then she had themed gift areas, Aww. piles that were endless and like. You know, the only the only granddaughter, the only niece. Yes. Um, when I was a kid, we had a lot of lean years where we a dollar a night was kind of the my mom would tell us before Hanukkah. To, I'm sorry, this year is going to be a dollar a night, which was for, you know, did you cash or you don't spend more than a dollar? No, no, no uh, cash. She'd give us a dollar a night, oh. which, which was so I feel like it was never. And like when it was, you know, it was like a calendar. It was never huge for us. And it was never about that. It was like we had a family Hanukkah party that was like the most fun at my grandma's house with tons of latkes and canters catering. We got <gasps> deli sandwiches. So it was like so fucking awesome. Yes. And the kids all got presents, but it was never like it that was it was more that. about the hang as opposed yeah, to yeah and you'd get like things. one big present from my grandma but that was like it so yeah just i think that's really nice yeah i appreciate it now as a kid it was like you'd go back to school and everyone would be like you had hanukkah for eight nights what did you get you must have got so much and you'd be like mm, that's not how it works <laughs> right that's the christian equivalency where it's like your your holiday must be exactly ours right but just like at your house with a different name right yeah right exactly well, but I love and I love Christmas. I mean, we celebrate Christmas now, Vince and I. Yeah. I mean, I just love the whole I love that it's winter and people are like, we better be nice to each yeah. other. Yeah, because I love this time of year. Yeah, it gets it gets nicer. But I think actually my favorite holiday has always been Thanksgiving. Yeah. A, because of my food issue, <laughs> but B, because of that exact thing you're saying, where yeah. the size of my family, it would always be like a 30 to 50 person party totally. at some house, outfits, uh, you know, cousins, 
Do you guys, well, it's so funny because we're film, we're recording this before Thanksgiving. Are we yes. allowed to say that? So yeah. I still don't. So we'll talk this week in the real episode about Thanksgiving because I want to know a lot about yours. Since we're on the subject of presents, I hate to make you uncomfortable, but I have a present for you, a Christmas present for That you. doesn't make me uncomfortable. Because it's so weird to well, like surprise someone with that and be like, and you didn't know, so you didn't get me anything. Yeah, guess what you get? You can have Frank. <laughs> He's yours now. <laughs> Great. I'm bringing Mimi over. Uh, this is actually, this is funny because since I knew we were doing the Christmas episode, I bought you this like two years ago <laughs> when we talked about this on the podcast. That's how long I've had this for and like meant to frame it, but like can't find Give it. I'm lazy. Okay. Here. I got it. Right okay. Up. It's an envelope, everyone. But no, but I have to get you something. All right. Give me a Thanksgiving present. Okay. Okay. Oh, get me a Hanukkah present. It hasn't happened yet. Oh, right. This is like, this is backwards oh, world. I have to get you eight presents. <laughs> Here's a card, Georgia, with this very Don't beautiful. Dear Karen, congratulations on Jesus being born. <laughs> I bet he was a rad baby. <laughs> he was. Everybody gathered around him in a manger. So someday I'll frame this for you. Oh, my God. How Georgia. rad is that? Okay, I went on Etsy and I Googled or I Etsy searched <laughs> Ticonderosa Roga vintage and a, found a little postcard that has little 50s or 40s or maybe 30 school children. And it says Ticonderoga, America's favorite pencil. <laughs> And like one of the kids is checking the other kid out. Like that's kind of creepy. Yes, he l clearly loves the girl sitting behind the boy who, who's trying to take the pencil from him. Yeah. And this, the boy standing is passing out Dixon, Dixon, Ticonderoga pencils. We'll this post is it for, we'll post it. Amazing. Isn't I'm going to frame this. Yeah. Like I was just been looking for like an old vintage, like metal frame and I can't, I'm lazy. Thank you. Yeah. Literally I've it. had that on my dresser for two <laughs> fucking years. And every time I see it, I'm like, shit, cause it's not near Christmas. Oh shit. Frank. I need you to not. Frank, here. Frank is trying to crawl inside Georgia. <laughs> it's very scary. He's. Jesus. Hey, back, back. Hey, he's hey. so thick. Do so you see? That's his, that's, that's his, like, you can't move me he, protest stance. He's not movable. He's all muscle. <gasps> and if he, you oh can't. God. He's like leaning into me. <laughs> Hold on. Hey. Yeah, there he goes. Good boy. That's it. Good boy. Actually, yeah. I really love that. I really love that's it. That's what I love presents for is like randomly. Oh my God. She said she liked this thing. I'm going to look for it and give it whenever. Yes. So that's. That's what that is. <laughs> also, because it is out of order, don't tell anybody secret secret, yeah. but the, it is kind of like you just kicked off my holiday season. Oh, yeah. That's, I love it. Thank you. First present of the season. What if we do, I'll call it, we'll call it present assault, and we just keep popping up with crazy present presents assault. when you don't, <laughs> don't realize it and it surprises you. Yeah. And then you're like, wait, was I supposed to have one? And it's all kind of like, a, or maybe a better way to say it is like present blitz. Have an uncomfortable present blitz. <laughs> but I'm very comfortable <laughs> being given presents. Very comfortable. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, well, we hope that you guys listening are having a a either passable or a wonderful or anything in between kind of holiday. We mm -hmm. know this time of year is, can suck a lot. So we're happy that you're with us um, yep. and with all your podcast friends, because what's better than a podcast when you're like feeling low? Yeah. Or having to spend time with family when yeah. everyone knows family of origin is complicated. At best. So hopefully you're spending it with someone you love or yeah. at least tolerate. Yeah. Or at least there's a good dog or cat there you can 
walk out of the room and hang out with. And if you don't have one, again, Frank is completely available for <laughs> rentals around the nation. I'll ship him anywhere. In a box with three holes punched in. Frankie, you're a beautiful man. <laughs> Okay, do you want to talk about some uh, ERM highlights real quick? Sure, let's do that. Do it. Oh, very exciting. Kate Winkler Dawson, uh, our superstar podcast host, is coming back with a season four of Tenfold More Wicked in January. So if you haven't listened, you can binge seasons one through three during these holiday weeks, during your downtime or your travels or whatever. Get all caught up and then you're ready for the brand new season four. That's a great bingeable podcast. So good. so good. She's such a talented, uh, she's an author. Yeah. It's so, it's historical. It's beautifully researched. It's beautifully executed. Yeah. She's the greatest. It's a good anecdote to this podcast. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> and the podcast, the incredible, hilarious hit podcast, That's Messed Up. They cover the SVU Christmas episode, Presumed Guilty, mm. and interview the extremely talented actor, Dennis O'Hare. Dennis O'Hare. Yeah. He's one of my faves, and he is the guy... I hope I'm not wrong about this, but he's the guy from Michael Clayton in the very beginning of the movie where he hit somebody like and he's called in Michael Clayton to come to his house. Um, so because they want he basically wants Michael Clayton to get him out of a hit and run. Oh, shit. And the, it's the most brilliant, amazing scene oh with him, George Clooney, and then the woman who plays Dennis O'Hare's wife, who I wish I knew offhand because you know her, too. Amazing. I'm going to look it up. Yeah, Hold you on. probably should. She has big. I don't think I've seen it. Michael Clayton? I know. No, you have to watch that movie. I'm sorry, but it is. It's one of those movies when it came out. Um, we we got to go like for free. Mm. Um, Tilda Swinton. No, no, no. Oh. Tilda Swinton plays her. Tilda Swinton's name's Karen and Michael Clayton. Yeah. And the, therefore causing George Clooney to say the name Karen hundreds of times. Uh, which is, is it Mrs. Clayton? What's her name? No. Julie White. She's at the very beginning. Yes, oh. I think it is. Um, Julie White. Dennis O'Hare, George Clooney. Uh, oh, this is an all-star cast. Sidney Pollack? Come on. Come on. No, no, no. It's such a perfectly made movie. I've talked okay. about it many times. I've never seen it. If you've never seen it, it's such a like sleeper. But we went because we got free. We got in free because of the WGA. Yeah. And it was nominated. And my friend Lauren Pomerantz and I went. So this was I mean, 2007. this was like mid to, yes, 2007. I just saw it. I'm, oh. not, I'm not good at this. <laughs> I'm not. I just saw it on Google. I was like, yes, you're right. <laughs> We sat there and we we were just like, oh, let's go to a free movie. And mm-hmm. at the end, we just looked at each other like, was that the best movie we've mm-hmm. ever seen? Good Christmas movie? Uh, Sure. Yes. What's the best Christmas movie? Die Hard? Mm-hmm. I mean, for uh, for yeah, what's our family? family yeah, um, uh, we we put it on the channel that plays a Christmas story over for 24 and over. hours. They beat their kids. <laughs> Oh yeah, what's the There's fucking thirties and forties? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah it all of life was problematic back then. <laughs> like people weren't doing it right. Yeah, and yeah, but but the in between parts movie, of though. like yeah. a kid, the story of a kid, basically. Yes. Living a real kid's life. Yeah. That's very sweet. I feel like I should. That's going to be a, co- a hot take, and uh, you can send hate mail to my favorite murder at, at georgia.com. Yeah. They also go out to Chinese dinner after when the turkey gets fucked up, and there's a kind of it's very completely racist. racist moment. There we go. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's so hard. Things from the past yeah. where it's like clearly no one was being represented correctly. Right. But yeah. <laughs> 
And well, thank God it's fixed now. Anyways, let's get argue, on the your argument to, worked. It's no longer my favorite. We're supposed time. to be positive. <laughs> Speaking of positivity, oh well, here's a positive fucking podcast if I've ever seen one. Yes. Oh, uh, I said no gifts. <laughs> oh, right. So fun. Bridger's holiday episode is out today and there people are competing in either gift or cursed or gift master. So there's a bunch of different guests uh, yeah. assembled. George and I are on it. Yep. It's very funny. It's so funny. It's, there's no rhyme or reason. It's yep. just like Bridger being in charge of everyone, which I think is like, he's a great, he's great in that role. He's so good at it. It's like, it's, he's the coldest <laughs> piano teacher you've ever experienced, and it's a delight. Yeah, if you need to cheer up, that's a great podcast. Yeah, it is. You know, um, and then just make sure if for Christmas, uh, as a Christmas present, you follow Exactly Right on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for updates on all our shows. And, uh, and please rate, review, and subscribe to all the podcasts you love out there. Yes. It's such, it's like the little thing you can do for your free podcast. Yeah, that's right. Make a difference. That's right. Just like us. Hey, that we've been doing it all month long. Yeah. And we're very excited. This was George's idea of, from the beginning oh. of let's do a weekly donation because there's a lot of people in need out there, obviously, especially at times like this. And so we're just basically giving suggestions for our favorite charities and places that we really like mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, help encourage people to give a little if they can. Yeah. Obviously. And so we're giving 10 grand to all these charities in the name of Murderinos. Yep. Um, so you guys, good job. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we're giving to one of my favorite charities and it's Homeboy Industries who for the last 30 years have been the largest gang rehabilitation and re-entry program in the world. It's run by Father Greg Boyle. I've talked about his books and how much his books mean to me and how beautiful they are. You should definitely read them. If you haven't, it's a industry that they've set up and it's totally based on like empathy and love and supporting people who maybe have never had it in their life and they've mm -hmm. changed so many lives. So we're very Grateful Father Greg and everybody at Homeboy Industries has been doing the work they've been doing to the point where now they have a bunch of other yeah. groups. They have Homegirl Cafe. They have the, you know, they have a bakery that like is at LAX now. Yeah. Homegirl Cafe is a um, safe space for females to receive on-the-job training. It empowers individuals to undertake what is often their first real job and their first real opportunity, like you were saying, and the first time someone believes in them. So yep. it's incredible. And we're so happy to be able to donate to them yes cool well that was short and sweet yeah uh and i go first this week do it for christmas for christmas time hey karen you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing i do i know it well well while there's no cure for stress therapy can help shape your response to it and since may is mental health awareness month there's no better time to try talkspace when you sign up for talkspace you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist typically within 48 hours forbes rates talkspace as the number one online therapy platform plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. 
I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. All right. Well, this has nothing to do with the holidays. Great. It's just a mystery. Okay. My gift to you. I love it. I love a mystery story. Right? This is the mysterious death of Blair Adams, which you may have seen on the old school Unsolved Mysteries season nine, episode 17. Okay. I also got um, stuff stuff from <laughs> Medium, an article by Jennifer Baldwin, unsolved.com, unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com, um, noxnews.com article by Travis Dorman, and a couple different Reddit threads and comments and stuff. So, oh, and fucking Wikipedia, obviously. Always. Please donate to Wikipedia if you can, even $5. Yeah. They need it. Yeah. So, let's, so this is mysterious. Here we go. Okay. In the summer of 1996, Robert Dennis Blair Adams, known as Blair, um, he was born on December 28th, 1964. In 1996, he's a 31-year-old construction company foreman, foreman, foreman in Surrey, British Columbia. What's up, everyone? Hey. Um, he could be played by Mark Duplass. Okay. Like cute, you know, normal yeah. dude. Everyone who knows him says he's satisfied with his life. He's good at his job. He's liked at his work. He's a responsible employee, has a cheery demeanor. Just a regular dude nice. living his life in Surrey. But by that summer, 
Blair's personality begins to change pretty drastically out of nowhere. According to Unsolved Mysteries, his personality began to fluctuate anywhere from, quote, agitated paranoia to pensive withdrawal. Mm -hmm. So he had had a drinking problem in the past, but he was two years sober and he was proud of it, which made it odd that he stopped going to AA meetings Mm -hmm. out of nowhere and um, didn't explain to his friends or family why. But there were no indications that he had started drinking again. Okay. According to his mom on this Unsolved Mysteries episode, her name's Sandra Edwards, he began having wild mood swings. She said, quote, something was obviously very much the matter. He hadn't been sleeping well. I asked him numerous times what was wrong. And he said, I don't think I should tell you about it. And then she says, and to this day, I don't know what it is. I know. At one point, he also tells his mom that people were spreading rumors about him, but he didn't elaborate and there was no proof of that. He also told his friends that he was afraid someone was going to kill him. Oh, no. Uh Uh-huh. But his friends didn't know why he suspected that he didn't elaborate on it. So his strange behaviors take a turn on Friday, July 5th, 1996. That day, he withdraws his entire savings uh, and empties his safe deposit box of more than $6,000 in cash, as well as thousands more in jewelry, gold, and platinum. Wow. This empties everything. That Sunday, he tries to enter the United States via a ferry in his Chevy Chevette. The ferry leaving from Victoria, British Columbia would have taken him to Seattle, Washington, but he was stopped from getting on the ferry because he's he fits the profile of a drug trafficker. He's unmarried, young man carrying a large amount of cash. And so they were suspicious of him at the border crossing. He didn't have any drugs on him. But then, okay, so this, there's so many things that there's like little pieces here and there of information on different articles. So I can't confirm everything. But in one article, only one, it said that the border police became more suspicious because he then lied about having no criminal history, despite having convictions on drug and assault charges. But in other articles, it said he had a clean record. So I don't know how true that is. Okay. So he was turned away um, from the border and refused entry into the U.S., So after this, he told his friends that he didn't want to go back to his own apartment that day. He was afraid someone was after him. So he stayed with his mom that night. He left her home on Monday, July 8th, 1996. And this would be the last time that Blair's mother would see him alive. Mm. That day, Blair showed up at his job and told his boss that he quit, gave no explanation, got his last paycheck and left. That afternoon, he spent $1,600 on a round-trip airplane ticket to Frankfurt, Germany, Mm. which was leaving the next day. So he had worked in Frankfurt in the past. He had an old girlfriend in the country, but she had no idea he was planning on coming there, and she had not been expecting him at all. So it wasn't like he had planned to see her or anything. Later that same day, he cancels his trip to Germany. He's refunded his money. So at some point, this behavior seems erratic. But to a lot of people, it also seems like he's trying to throw someone off his trail. Oh. Doesn't it? Yeah. Like maybe he's he is being followed. It's that thing of like before you call someone crazy for thinking they're being tracked by the CIA, make sure they're not being tracked by the CIA. You know what I mean? Have yeah. you heard that? No. <laughs> Is that an old saying? <laughs> yeah, the whole saying of like, before you think someone's paranoid for being followed, make sure they're not being followed. Because maybe they're not being paranoid. Maybe someone's fucking following them. I mean, and the idea, here's what I think is yeah. especially fascinating. Because I feel like I have, I watched this episode. Uh-huh. But it always blows my mind 
Like it makes me, it gives credence to something actually going on because he didn't tell anybody details. Right. So it's not like he's saying, these are the people that are following me. This is the specific, this is yeah. this, which, you know, this is completely my opinion, sure. obviously, but it's like, you know, when people maybe are having like a paranoid experience it's there's a bunch of theories and there's a bunch of details. Yes. About exactly who wants what this guy isn't saying a word. He's just saying the thing he's afraid of and not giving details at all. Do you think it almost seems like he's trying to like, if he told them who was following him, they would be in danger too. I mean, maybe or just, but it just, to me, it maybe indicates a level of control that he still has. As opposed to when you want to say, quote unquote, this person's gone this crazy. This is happening. This is something. happening. Specific specifics. Yeah. And he's, it doesn't make any fucking sense, but if he's not telling them specifics, then it does make sense. He's keeping something a secret. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right. That makes total sense. So that night, in the middle of the night, Blair shows up to a friend's house in a panic, telling her that someone's trying to kill him and he needs her to take him to the border to help him cross into the U.S. His friend can't take him because she has young kids sleeping at home. So she's, you know, and they're all a little like weary of like what's going on with him. So he leaves. And then that next morning on Tuesday... Blair leaves his Chevy Chevette at the Vancouver International Airport. He rents a Nissan Altima, so he gets a different car, so he's not suspicious, goes back to the U.S.-Canada border ferry, and this time he manages to get through. Oh, wow. Okay. So he gets to Seattle, where he buys a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C., which is strange on its own, because when investigators later look into it, he paid around $770 for a one-way ticket when he could have purchased a round-trip ticket for like three. 350 to $400. So he wasn't coming back. Yeah, but it also looks like throwing someone off of his trail oh, kind of thing, yeah. right? Sure. So he arrives in D.C. early Wednesday morning. He then rents a white Toyota, then takes off, and he heads to Knoxville, which is more than a 500-mile drive southwest. Okay. So just going lots of weird, different places for no reason trying to escape yeah Yeah, doesn't know anyone in knoxville just heads that as far as we know so about 5 30 p.m he ends up at a gas station in knoxville and his behavior appears to have become even more erratic as he's described by witnesses he's described as distressed as well he asked the gas station attendant for help because his rental car won't start so the attendant asks for his keys and he tries to use them on the toyota and he realizes the key that blair had given him was for the Nissan. Oh. It was the wrong key. Okay. But like, wouldn't he have given those rental car keys back? Maybe, who knows, if you forget to. But he was like, this is the key I've been using. And the gas station attendant's like, these don't work. Like, this is they a different car. They don't go to car. that car. Yeah. yeah. I've heard a couple different things. One, that he looked through his stuff and couldn't find the key, which is like, how did he get there? Another one is that, yeah, he wouldn't go through his things. He was being really paranoid and suspicious about it. So, like, why didn't he want to go through his pockets? But I don't know which one's correct. Yeah. So, the rental car company was closed for the day, so he couldn't get a new set of keys. So, Blair got a ride to a nearby hotel via the tow truck driver who towed his rental car, who seemed really concerned about him as well. He left his overnight bag behind, and so the tow truck driver brought brought it back to him at the hotel. Well, so, sorry, I don't understand how he got there without the right keys. I don't know That's either. so weird. It's so weird. But were they in his pocket? And he wouldn't go through them. He was being really adamant that he wouldn't go through his pockets, according to one story. Oh, that's and and also if he is really distressed and really, you know, stressing out, 
he could have just put them in a weird place, got, yeah. gotten himself there and then put them in a weird right. place. And you know that thing where if you have something in your hand and you realize you lost something else and you start looking for it, you end up losing the thing in your hand oh. because you put it down somewhere. Like I do it constantly. Yeah. I'm trying to leave the house. I can't find my phone. I have my keys in my hand. I go looking for the phone. Once I find the phone, I realize I don't know where the keys are. <laughs> I do that, that where I go, I don't know where my phone is. It's in my hand. If I'm holding more than two things, yes. I don't know where my one of the things are. Yes. Or like the gla- my glasses are on my head. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But this. I, yeah. So anyway, it's like if he has this stress, some kind of real threat that he's really stressed out about. Or perceived. Yeah. Yeah. That losing your keys is the easiest thing in the world to do. But that's just a, such a weird. It is very detail. odd, but it, it'll come back. Okay. So the woman working at the front desk at the hotel, her name is Tika Hartsfield. She remembers Blair vividly, and she's interviewed on Unsolved Mysteries. She says, quote, the best way to describe him would be paranoid. He just was very nervous, agitated, expecting someone to come in on him, even though there wasn't anybody there, Mm -hmm. like checking the front door a lot. The hotel's security camera, and you can see the video on Unsolved Mysteries, shows that in a space of an hour, Blair went in and out of the lobby five times before finally paying for a room. He gives her a $100 bill, doesn't wait for the change. And after checking in, he pockets the key to his room. But instead of going to his room, the surveillance camera shows that he walks out of the front door at 7.37 p.m. and never comes back. And that's the last confirmed sighting of him. Whoa. Twelve hours later. On the morning of July 11th, 1996, about half a mile from the hotel, Blair's lifeless body is found in a parking lot by two construction workers. Oh, no. I know. This is so bizarre. He's naked from the waist down, his pants having been removed in a way that suggested to investigators someone else had taken them off because they were like inside out. Um, And same with his socks, which were strewn alongside him, along with his pants, Shoes are off, obviously, and his shirt is ripped. Initially, police were like, this must be a robbery. But scattered around Blair's body was $4,000 in American, Canadian, and German currency. Oh, no. And his fanny pack is nearby. And in it was another $2,000 worth of that golden jewelry. So nothing had been stolen. So, yeah, that's that did it's, not happen. Right. It was not a robbery. Right. It just it just it removes a theory that would make sense completely and takes it out of the equation, making this seem even more nonsensical. Yeah. His duffel bags nearby, which held maps and receipts, the hotel key card to the room he had checked into at at the Fairfield Inn, um, as well as his missing Toyota car key is lying next to his body. So the key is back. Yeah. Detectives also recovered his driver's license, passport and credit card. They said, quote, they were strewn about 100 yards from his body like they had been thrown from a vehicle as it was moving. Wow. So according to the autopsy report, Blair had been killed at approximately 3 a.m. And his cause of death was ultimately a blow to his stomach that caused it to rupture, which caused septic shock. What? Yeah. So he it wasn't self-inflicted or he was murdered. Whoa. Um. But in addition, he had sustained many cuts and abrasions, and his body also showed signs of a road rash, as though he may have been dragged or hit by a car. It also seemed as though he put up a fight with his attacker, um, defending himself. He had defensive wounds on his hands, and a weapon, possibly a club or a crowbar, had sliced open his forehead, though no weapon was ever identified at the scene. So that's just so mysterious. Like, you think... 
you could put it together that maybe he it was self-inflicted if the weapon was there, but it's fucking not. Right. The autopsy showed that he had been possibly been a victim of sexual assault. Hmm. Um, and But it differs from article to article. The medical examiner couldn't say for sure if the assault took place before or during the time frame of the murder. Toxicology report shows there's no evidence of drugs or alcohol in his system, showing that he indeed remained sober before his death. Hmm. So they believe authorities believe that Blair had um, eaten somewhere after he left his hotel. Um, but remember, he had no car, so it couldn't have been that far if he was on his own. His autopsy showed lettuce, meat and shrimp still in his stomach when he died. But there's no indication that authorities were able to place Blair at like a specific restaurant before his death. Huh. The only person who reported hearing anything out of the ordinary in the area the night that Blair was killed was a security guard who was working at a nearby business. He tells detectives that he heard an abrupt scream around 3.30 a.m. and believed it to possibly be a woman's voice. Hmm. So on the night before his death, Blair was seen with an unidentified man at several restaurants in Knoxville. A composite sketch was made of that man, but it's not known if he had anything to do with the murder. And there was only one piece of evidence found that may be useful in the investigation, which was a long strand of hair found in the hand of Blair Adams. The hair does contain useful DNA, but it doesn't match to anyone as of who knows when. I mean, right. So long ago. Although Blair had been telling people his life was in danger just before his mysterious death, authorities ultimately believed his threat to be imaginary. And that Blair's strange journey was just due to his own delusions, despite never having been diagnosed with any mental illness. Either way, Blair Adams ended up inexplicably thousands of miles from his home in a town where he knew no one murdered just as he had feared. And that is the mysterious death of Blair Adams. Oh, my God. He fucking ended up dead. He was scared for his life. And people speculate like mob hit or you know all these things don't make me talk about that theory (laughs) you love them all (laughs) um but like none of it explains why they left the money behind or like maybe he started a fight with someone in his messed up state and uh that person just responded to him and it's just a fucking coincidence but it's just you can't you don't know and like a long blonde hair where did that come from yeah well and and in that way where if it was a, delu- a state of delusion, then again, it would be, I think, much more erratic. Like, it's not like he's, although he seemed paranoid, say, to the woman that worked at the motel, he also, it wasn't like he was doing a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. He was just scared someone was after right. him. Right. Right. So he's not, like, threatening her. Right. He's not, like... I don't know. It's not out of character, like the things he's doing and the things he's saying. If you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, someone is actually after him. Right. Then he's responding as a normal person who knows that someone's after him. That's a good point. I mean, to me, that's I mean, and also it is really unbelievable and amazing that all of that money passports. I mean, like there's some of that stuff you could take that's incredibly valuable. Yeah. Like. Or even just like they they wouldn't have known he had his passport on him. Exactly. Something. Or they wouldn't have known he had German marks on him. Yeah. Like they could, you know, it's a thing of like, well, maybe they knew the money was traceable or the jewelry was traceable. But it's like, but they didn't know he, he ha- what money he had on him. And it wouldn't, would it have been traceable in, in Knoxville right. when he's from fucking British Columbia? Right, right. I, wow. That's unbelievable. Isn't that odd? Oof. 
so creepy and sad. And also it's like, what, what piece are we missing yeah. about his life where it's like, did you just strangely happen upon? Yeah. It, like, did you ever see the amazing, hilarious movie foul play with Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase? It's from the late 70s. Yes, we saw that recently. It's really funny and crazy, but this is it where she, her friends tell her she's too, you know, like too careful. She's got her yeah. heart broken or whatever. So she decides to pick up a hitchhiker. And this hitchhiker has a pack of cigarettes that has film in it. And he leaves the <gasps> pack of cigarettes in her car. And then he gets out of the car and is immediately killed. And <sighs> then suddenly people are chasing her and she doesn't know why. Right. And not to, uh, not to treat this like, it's a comedy in any yes, way, yes. but it just makes me think of suddenly she doesn't know what's going right, on. Right. And she's just, she didn't even know she had this film. She's, right. She's just like, suddenly people are after me and she looks like she's paranoid and deluded. Totally. And totally. Chevy Chase is like, I understand. I believe you. Or maybe he was dating a woman whose, whose ex-husband was in the mob or like something that like just, yeah. Right. But uh, as we've talked about, the mob would take care of that business. Yes. Locally. Yeah. They wouldn't chase them all over the place. Right. right? I mean, like. Right. You would think they would be get it one and done. And. Or maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe he did get in a fight with someone out of wherever. Hitch maybe he was hitchhiking. Because he didn't have a car. Right. Got in a fight. And and that happened. And the person hit, hit him in the head. Realized it was a fatal blow. Or like it was a, you know, a v really bad injury and tries to drive away and him. ends up hitting him. <gasps> I mean, who the fuck knows? I mean, yeah, anything's possible. That is that is crazy. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into, whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve. The key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines. And June's journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. 
like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Well, great job. Thank I you. Know. That was fascinating. I also have a very bizarre story. Ooh. So this is something that cropped up and I remember it from basically kind of mid-quarantine before any kind of vaccination had been developed when we were all still washing our hands for 30 seconds while singing the theme to the Mr. Rogers neighborhood or whatever, like <laughs> just past the point where we were wiping down cereal boxes, uh-huh. but still stuck in our houses and very unsure as to yeah. what was going on. So this was the kind of story that when it popped up, it was like, ew, what's, go- what's that about? And it just kind of like hit my Radar, okay. essentially. So this is the story of the death of Amy Carlson and the love has won cult. <gasps> so there's an amazing article by Virginia Pelly. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Virginia, uh, in the magazine Marie Claire mm-hmm. called Love Has Lost. Um, got a lot of information about that because it was very comprehensive. Cool. Also, there's a, a article in the Washington Post by Marisa Aiti. There's an episode of Dr. Phil that actually has um, the whole family of of mm. Amy Carlson on it. A Vice documentary called False Gods, Cult Leader, Abuser, or Goddess, Meet Mother God. A BBC News article by Joshua Nevitt. A Denver Post article by Noelle Phillips. There's a, obviously a Wikipedia article, a People magazine article by Jeff Truesdale, and a Honolulu Star Advisor article by the Star Advisor staff. For a second, I thought it was a woman named Star Advisor. It's just like, <laughs> way to go. And it's funny because this is such a recent story. Yeah, that there, there's been... So far, it doesn't ring bells. Okay. So... In September of 2020, so about six months into quarantine, there's a news story out of Kauai, um, one of my favorite Hawaiian islands, beautiful, that popped up about a group of roughly 11 people calling themselves Love Has Won, who tried to relocate to the island from Colorado in August of 2020. So aside from breaking the state's quarantine protocols, the group, who many believe to be a cult, had been co-opting native religious practices and generally pissing everyone off Mm -hmm. in the island. Because many of us know who like to go to Hawaii and like to visit there. It's like going to a very small town. And, you know, it's White people are very invasive mm-hmm. over there. They're tourists and they're oftentimes can be very disrespectful. So ingratiating yourself into the culture over there is a very important part of visiting those islands mm-hmm. because it's about respecting the the reason you love it there so much is because right. of the Hawaiian people and the native culture. Right. And so a big group of people coming over there and basically ripping them off and uh, you know, disrespecting basically, yeah, yeah, just being kind of a bunch of assholes. It, of course, didn't sit well 
people were immediate and also they had they already knew because this was the second cult that had come to Kauai during the quarantine. Wow. So this was actually a kind of a problem yeah. um, for the people there, the locals, especially like the fact that it's they're disrespecting them and and possibly bringing COVID over. It's like, yes, it's unsafe. It's really shitty. Yeah. It's disrespectful. And it's like, go fuck yourself. So seriously, there was vandalism. There was several small fires. It was just a huge problem almost from the get go. Mm-hmm. And so for the safety of the residents of Kauai, the police end up escorting this group of people back to the airport on September 4th. And they end up flying back home to Colorado. So at the time, this story was just kind of a blip in an already very overwhelming news cycle mm-hmm. until about seven months later on the night of Wednesday, April 28th, 2021, when 43-year-old Miguel Lamboy arrived at the Salida police station near the tiny 100-person mountain town of Moffat, Colorado in Sawich County. So basically, Lamboy is there to report that a group of people have brought a dead body into his home. <gasps> he explains it's the corpse of Amy Carlson, the leader of a local religious group. Love has won. And he, they got there the day before and they needed a place to stay. Lamboy has also is a member of this religious group, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, and he didn't realize they had this body until the next day. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there are seven people, I believe in the group. And so when he does realize this dead body is in his house, he tr- he takes his two-year-old son <sighs> and he goes to leave. And they say, you can leave, but the boy has to stay here. And that's when he decided it's time to go to the police. <sighs> so the police are, the local police are well aware of this group. Many locals have claimed it's a cult. And the Sawich County Sheriff's Department was quoted as saying, quote, they've received many complaints from families saying that the group is brainwashing people and stealing their money and that from all over the country, not just in the area. So according to Miguel Lamboy, um, this group drove from California to Colorado with Carlson's dead body in the back of their SUV. Holy shit. And then they they landed at his house because they needed a place to stay. So the police are granted a search warrant for Lamboy's house, which they execute at around 1150 that night. Mm -hmm. And they find this group of seven people as well as the dead body as Lamboy had described to them. But the body is an even more disturbing state than they had imagined. In the back bedroom, police discover what appears to be a mummified corpse with gray skin wrapped in a sleeping bag lying on a bed. Her teeth are showing through her lips, her eyes are missing, and her eye sockets are painted with glittery makeup. Oh, my God. The whole body is wrapped in Christmas lights. What? And a shrine has been... uh, She's she's basically surrounded by a shrine of trinkets and different lights. How do seven people, like, agree that this is... Like, seven people. That's so many. I mean, that's what cults do, but... I mean, it's the, this is, uh, this is a long, this has been a long process to getting to this point, basically. So, um, all seven adults are arrested and charged with abuse of a corpse. And because, uh, one woman who's in this group, her name's Karen Raymond, her 13 year old daughter, um, is with the group and Mm -hmm. Lamboy's two year old son are in the house. The group is also charged with two counts of child abuse, Mm. um, even though both children were found asleep and safe, okay. it's just child abuse that yes. they would even be in that scenario. Um, so 
Raymond's daughter's taken into social services custody after the mom's arrest. Lamboy's two-year-old son is returned to him after the um, search of the house is finished. Okay. So when the coroner inspects the body, it's so decomposed that fingerprints can't be taken. What? Um, and it leads him to believe that Amy Carlson must have been dead for at least a month, if not longer. <gasps> yeah. Oh, chills. In fact, the body's so decomposed, it takes him three months to confirm that this is indeed the body of 45-year-old Amy Carlson. So over the weekend following the raid, other members of the Love Has One group post a video on their Facebook page about their leader's death, saying that she has ascended to the fifth dimension. So this video is later deleted, but Carlson's devoted followers still hold this belief. And in fact, the idea of Amy's ascension had become the main tenet of the group. Amy was called Mother God in this group, mm. and she claimed to already have been reincarnated 500 times. Whoa. Yeah. That sounds exhausting. She, well, and more so when you realize that she has already been Jesus, Joan of Arc, and Marilyn Monroe. Mm. Right? As it's the old joke, no one ever is reincarnated as just the person down the street. It's always Joan of Arc. Um, and on her next ascension, she was telling believers in these video streams that she was making that the that starships were going to come and take her away. And that when she ascended, her followers would finally learn this truth that a powerful, quote unquote, cabal mm. had been keeping from the people of Earth in every um, incarnation that she had. So right when mm -hmm. she was about to, the, right when the people of Earth are about to learn like the ultimate truth, yeah. the cabal comes in, kills her, and keeps the truth from coming out. Okay. And that's basically her theory. What a bummer. Right? It's really unfortunate. And kind of, kind of tidy, you know? Yeah. It's all just this one. This is the reason we're all suffering. Right. It's just this one cabal of like rich people. It's the same as you always hear. It's like the cabal is super rich people, Hollywood people, uh -huh. and you know, and then just like villains from around the world. Any non-believers that don't follow Mother God will be sent to live on the quote, central galactic sun uh -huh. or be turned into rocks. Huh. So there's a former member named Ash McCoy who said that the shrine that the police found around the body wasn't new. They didn't put that there when the body got there. Mm -hmm. It had actually been made long before Amy Carlson's death with the idea that when she did finally ascend in this lifetime, her followers would want a place where they could come and commemorate her life and basically treat it like a museum exhibit. So they had been preparing for her, wow. quote unquote, ascension for years. Wow. The members of the Love is One cult are convinced their leader, Mother God, will go down in history as the greatest being who has ever lived. Huh. Which is just, if you think about it, all of this is just a perfect 2021 vibe. <laughs> just like super intense, super apocalyptic. Yeah. Everything is like... Everything is conspiracy. It's, yeah. it's simplistic and it's kind of like, do what I say. Yeah. Or the cabal will get you. It's because we're living in an unprecedented time. So anything is possible and people just want to believe something. Yeah. People are disenfranchised. They're scared. They're alone. Yeah. A lot of people are sick or feel like they can't, they're not healthy right. and they're looking for answers online. Right. And so as many, as many WebMDs and like websites that are 
you know, standardly reliable. Yeah. There are just as many websites that start out as kind of new age, quote unquote, holistic medicine, (sighs) alternative practices. Right. And that, and that's how this started. Okay. Okay. So we'll talk about Amy Carlson's early life. Um, She was born on November 30th, 1975 and grows up in Dallas, Texas with her two sisters, Chelsea and Tara. Their parents divorce when Amy's young. Um, She lives with her dad at first, but then she goes back to live with her mom and her new stepdad. She's a popular straight A student with a beautiful singing voice. And her sisters say she was always really sweet and kind. Hmm. But as she gets older, um, she starts dating a lot of controlling or abusive men. By the time she's in her early 20s, she's basically on her third marriage. Oh, my gosh. And she has a child with each husband. So she has a daughter and two sons. But then after her third marriage, she basically starts to settle down. She gets a manager job at the local McDonald's and her family and friends, people on the outside believe that she's happy. Okay. But shortly after her third child is born, there's a noticeable change in her personality. Um, She begins to grow distant. Her mom, Linda, admits, although Amy has never really been maternal, but now she's basically become a neglectful mother. Oh. And she she disengages from her children's lives, and she's spending all her time online looking at (laughs) bizarre, new-agey kind of websites. And this is when her basically her world of view begins to change. Oh, no. Then Amy starts meeting up with the people that are also on these websites, meeting them in real life. And soon she's constantly talking about these things, like about ascension, mm-hmm. about alternative medicine, about starships, all kinds of kind of nonsensical new age philosophy. Yeah. And then when Amy's in her early 30s, she decides she to leave her husband and her children who are age two, seven, and 12. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Heartbreaking. She moves out of state with an unidentified man that she had met on online. It reminds me so much so far of Heaven's Gate. Yes. Of the, yeah. Yeah. Of the idea of people that have always kind of been unhappy in some way yeah. that stumble upon a group that has all the answers. Totally. Yeah. So she moves out of state. Her family tries to contact her. She doesn't ever respond. She basically cuts herself off from her family completely. They're convinced Amy's new boyfriend has tricked her into joining a cult. But when she finally reemerges and they see her again years later, she's the one that's (gasps) leading the cult. Oh, twist. Yeah. So the man Amy ran off with called himself Father God and convinces Amy that she's Mother God. And he brings her to Crestone, Colorado, which is a remote area 200 miles south of Denver that is considered sacred by the native people. And because of that, it's attracted. It's almost like a Sedona type of town in Colorado. It's attracted spiritual seekers for decades. The town itself only has about 1800 people, but it has over or around 24 spiritual centers with a full range of there's like there's. Buddhist, there's Catholic, there's it's I mean, it's everything. Yeah. So after a couple years, father and mother God split up. But Amy keeps the title Mother God. I mean, and if they can't make it work. Yeah. Well, who can? I mean, that's a real sign. Yeah. Relationships are so hard. The gods can't even get it right. <laughs> right. So she, of, of course, keeps on basically pursuing these interests. And then she starts releasing YouTube videos and Facebook live streams. And she is claims to be the leader of a group called the Galactic Federation of Light. So it's not 
in any way associated with Star Trek. <laughs> she preaches about her plan to save humanity. And in these videos, at first, she's just the voiceover uh -huh. and it's just kind of like images. But then after a while, she's front and center. She's the leader. And she's got followers in the videos who were talking about Amy as if she is God. Wow. So we've gone from this kind of like, oh, an alternative to Western medicine yeah. to I I am God, um, which is it's pretty, that's a pretty steep incline. Mm -hmm. And then in 2018 is when they changed the name of the group to Love Has Won. So um, Amy's followers believe that she's God in human form and a being with an elevated consciousness that's been continually reincarnating uh, for the last 19 billion years. Jesus. Um, so that she can complete her mission, which is to save humanity by leading a chosen 144,000 people into the mystical fifth dimension. They claim that she's currently on her 534th incarnation. Um, and she also claims, very strangely, after Robin Williams dies in 2014, that she has a direct spiritual connection with him. <sighs> Leave him alone. For real. She broadcasts herself channeling on these live streams, she claims that Donald Trump was her father in another lifetime. Well, I wouldn't brag about that. But to the people who are starting to get into this kind of like this conspiracy, it's a conspiracy community. Yeah. So she's kind of using the buzzwords yeah. that attract people who are online in the first place because they're kind of like starting to be believers in these things. Yeah. And they're also, I've said this before, but it's my personal theory. These are people that didn't grow up with computers. They don't right. understand that websites can be made by anyone. Right. And they can say anything. I mean, talk to Janet. It's right, just how yeah. it is for people that it's like they're looking at their people who grew up with one newspaper yeah. and that newspaper was just telling you the truth. There was yeah. no reason to question it. Yeah. So now we're we're in the world of the digital age of anyone can make any website and suddenly everything is this kind of believable. Yeah. And the and it's also about numbers. The more right. people believe it, the more believable it right. is. I definitely screamed at my mom the other day. What was the source? What was the source? <laughs> <laughs> of some fucking bananas like, batshit thing she said it was www <laughs> that's the source um so a lot of her teachings end up dovetailing with QAnon mm. conspiracy theories and basically the entire foundation of love has won draws from new age spirituality christianity astrology scientology numerology and basically anything else that appeals to amy and that appeals to kind of like, quote unquote, spiritual seekers. Uh -huh. um, she claims to have lived in the magical ancient land of Lemuria. She claims the lost city of Atlantis is real, but sunk from an explosion that took place after a certain technology was stolen and that her and her followers must fight an everlasting war against the cabal. And that's all the same. That's that kind of same theme that comes up all the time uh -huh. is that it's people declaring this small group are the pure, right. they're the noble, they're the, they're the, they're their heroes of the story. And that basically whoever they decide, right. Hollywood, rich people, whoever, you know, believable, yeah. uh, believable theories, but it's like, but that these people are then whatever they decide right. and that they're, they're trying to attack them. They're trying to kill them. They're trying to, they're trying to, to squash the truth. The truth and keep the world in darkness, right. essentially. So there's anywhere from 12 to 20 followers who actually live with Amy, like in a commune wow. between Colorado, California, Oregon, 
sometimes Florida, they wind up, basically, they come back to that area in Colorado on two pieces of land, one ranch house in Salida, and then this mobile home in Moffitt. These two places become the home base for mm-hmm. the group. So essentially, how it goes is every day at six in the morning, Amy and her followers begin about a three-hour live stream. And uh, in the beginning, the videos are about energy, connecting with spirit, um, essentially new age stuff that's like lots of people ascribe to. And that isn't in any way destructive. Yeah. Um, It's then they start talking a lot about frequencies and about, you know, negative versus positive. It's that kind of thing. Then basically the videos devolve into these outlandish concepts about the cabal mm-hmm. and, you know, them being hunted and all of that. There's two young women in the group that serve as basically hosts at the top of the show. And their group names are Archia Hope and Archia Aurora. And they're like young, kind of beautiful women mm-hmm. who uh, like it's just it's good uh, marketing, yeah. basically. They're hosting this and talking about the tenets of these beliefs, but they get into some stuff that's like incredibly fucked up. Mm-hmm. They start talking about like basically the pros of Hitler. Oh, I, knew his, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. I always. just pointed at myself because I was like, <laughs> they were like, they were anti this and that. I'm like, say Jews. Like, come on. <laughs> well, that's the thing is they, they're basically kind of floating the idea of being Holocaust deniers and then floating the idea of maybe that Hitler's intentions were better than, (sighs) you know, it's all that shit. And basically they, they preach Amy's God status, her plan to save humanity. And they start offering these things called spiritual surgeries. So that's like a virtual healing session with Amy. It costs $88. She does spiritual surgery on you and claims that she can cure everything from addiction to cancer, saying that her words and her hands have strong healing powers. So this is where they get people who are sick. People who uh, have who have gone to doctor after doctor of, right. of like a typical Western medicine and haven't been cured right. and or been told that they're it's all in their mind or right. they've been treated poorly by traditional doctors. Yeah. And they're they're on here looking for other stuff. So in the beginning, that idea and sometimes it really is just that mental thing of somebody yeah. going, I can spiritually surgically cure you over the Internet. And just the idea of that there's a solution. Right. And it's eighty eight dollars is very alluring to people. Yeah. Then you then you're coming in with. And while we're here, maybe we'll talk about how the Holocaust wasn't real. Uh, I mean, that's it's they're playing upon people who are already like at low points and weak points of their lives. Right. So as insane as that seems, Love Has One's Facebook group climbs to about 20,000 members. Holy shit. And their YouTube channel gains nearly 10,000 followers. And their their videos have like 1.5 million views. Oh, my God. So people are watching. We don't know how they're watching or what they're what they're approaches but they it's being seen um there's lots of fan engagement viewers communicate with each other in the comment sections and amy and her followers answer questions or give shout outs to people who are commenting in the live streams plus of course this is a crucial element of it money is pouring into the group in the form of donations made out to either love is one or mother's joy so about this topic. This is a a kind of a long quote from the Marie Claire article. 
Love Has One's vocabulary is similar to that of other New Age meets QAnon conspiritualist spaces, says Amanda Montel, author of the book Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism, and the co-host of the podcast Sounds Like a Cult. Oh! Have you heard of that podcast? Yeah! I can't wait to listen to it because that is... It's, I love this topic. Totally. And I, and I think it's really fascinating and incredibly scary that this kind of stuff is happening more and more. Yeah. And I think it's so good to pay attention to it and, and be, you know, aware yeah. of the way people can get got at like totally. their, their weakest point. Totally. Um, sorry, back into this. No, quote. good. Do it. This is Amanda Montel's quote. It co-ops and bastardizes the technical language of physics and combines it with the lofty language of spiritual mysticism to imply that those who know it are tapped into a wisdom higher than science. Such language can't brainwash people into believing something they have no interest in, she says. It simply gives them license to believe what they already want to. Yeah. Language works to convert, condition, and coerce certain followers, coaxing them on board with more and more extreme versions of whatever idea they were already open to. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the notion that a certain cult leader has the secrets to eternal salvation or a multi-level marketing recruiter has the key to making a million dollars in a year. Uh It's the words. Did she watch Lulu? Oh, yeah. What was it? Lulu Rich? I can't remember. Lulu Rich. The documentary about Lululemon. About those. No. The leggings. Not Lululemon. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) About Lululemon. Yeah. Shit straight. So throughout the duration of this group, Love Has Won, Mm -hmm. they see a rotating cast of father gods who partner up with Amy. But the most notable is the most recent, Jason Castillo. He joins Amy in mid-2018 when the group changes its name to Love Has Won. Mm -hmm. It's uncertain how he and Amy have met, but what is certain is his criminal record. His rap sheet lists charges for drunk driving, breaking and entering, and child neglect. So after his arrival, things on the commune go from bad to worse. Members are only allowed to sleep when Mother God sleeps. So they're usually limited to maybe four or five hours a night. Uh, They're always forced to rise at 5 a.m. The live streaming starts at 6 a.m. every single day. And they usually last three hours. mm, Uh, mm. They're also not allowed to sit for very long. No. The whole thing is leading to exhaustion for everybody. Totally. And here's the other one. They're underfed. Right. So Carlson claims that eating too much is a symptom of our rampant ego, which Amy claims stands for edging God out. They're only allowed to get small amounts of food that are donated from local food banks mm. and and no snackings allowed. So they basically... I'm out. I'm out on so many levels. Can't, I can't do any of it. I'm all about that ego. But <laughs> this is this is fucking... By the book, cult brainwashing practices, exhaustion and starvation. Yeah. Uh, The members live on their, on the compound rent free, but they have to serve mother God with whatever she needs and they don't get paid for anything and they don't get any of the donation money. Yeah. Most of the time members wind up giving whatever money they have to mother God. And as one former member named Taylor puts it, quote, everything is revolved around Amy. Of course. But she's not the gentle, compassionate leader that she claims to be. Even though drugs and alcohol are expressly forbidden in the group, she drinks to excess every day and openly on camera. 
What? Yeah. So this is a real, like, we're watching, this is, this really parallels the Synanon story. Oh, yeah. Where the leader who starts out with these really lofty goals about helping people, it slowly slides into saving humanity, which slides into I am God, which goes right along with some kind of substance abuse. Yeah. So when Amy's sober, she puts on a warm, kind facade. But at night, she launches into drunken, cursed-filled tirades on the live stream. Holy shit. And on one, she shouts into the camera, quote, spiritual ego whores die. If you're not connected to me, you're out. Damn. So it's turning. Yeah. I feel so bad for her kids back at home. Like, they have to be explained where mom is. And It's so sad. It's so sad. It's, yeah, it's a lot of... A lot of victims here. Yeah. She also starts calling the followers Adams, A-T-O-M, like an Adam. Mm-hmm. And there's one live stream where he brings her meatballs for dinner, but she asked for chicken parmesan. So she starts screaming, my vision was chicken parmesan. So the fucking Adams turn around on me and get me meatballs. I didn't say meatballs. I love meatballs, but I didn't fucking what say that f- chicken parmesan. She's just like flipping what out. What the fuck? And recording it. Like why? That's yeah. You want to hide that behavior. You would think. Also, Father God, he also gets in on it. He can be seen getting into Robertson's face and glaring at him with rage and chastising him while he while Robertson hangs his head in shame. So he got the order wrong, and he's just being attacked by Mother and Father God. Oh my God, you know the way the Lord, (laughs) the Lord you've always heard about. There's also a thing where there's on video they give a two year old child a timeout by putting it in a closet. And screaming at the child and saying that they're not, that normal people, their child rearing is programming. And it's the, it's basically society that's the cult. Love has won is the only same group of people. It's gotta be it. Okay. So around that time is when they try to go to Kauai. They basically get kicked out real quick. So they come back and then, so they start pushing these holistic health products. They make a thing called plasma coasters, which, quote, act as receivers and transmitters with the ability to neutralize harmful energy. And you're supposed to put them in glasses of water. They sell for $66 and 66 cents. Fuck. They all sounds like a shrinky dink or something. Yes. It's sea. What were those sea creatures you'd put in water? Oh, Sea monkeys. Sea monkeys. Um, they also are big on colloidal silver and oh, gold yes. supplements. Those were big. I colloidal remember. silver was huge yeah. for a while. They're, so basically they sell their own version of it. Of course um, they do. Yeah. And they claim that it, it can cure COVID. Oh my God. They end up getting a letter from the FDA saying you have to stop yeah. claiming this. You have to stop selling these products. And they don't. They, you, they're not available anymore. Hmm. So some of their other terrible medical advice, their holistic alternative medical uh-huh. advice, um, they say that turmeric cures diabetes, that lemon and baking soda cures cancer. And they actually tell people that it's a myth that staring into the sun makes you go blind. <laughs> oh, no. Yep. They say that you need to stare into the sun to receive healing, quote unquote, light codes, and that it, quote, burns away the darkness inside you. Um, yeah. They also tell people that you don't have to worry about having heart attacks because it's just your heart expanding. No, it's okay. It's not. So they it's just a bunch of super dangerous and very crazy, like basically personal theories and creative writing that they're now telling people is like medical, the medical truth. Yeah. Okay. 
dangerous. Basically, she's gone so far off the rails that her family goes on to Dr. Phil in September of 2020 to try to get her to basically be like this. You have to come out of this. This is a this is brainwashing. And her sisters and mother are there and they're all really worried about her. Um, Dr. Phil confronts her about how she's not a peaceful being. There's that they show the videos of all her cursing and confrontation. She claims that that one of the reasons is she's been raped several times Uh and that her house has burned down and that she's basically grown weary of it all. But essentially it's, it, you know, it just is kind of like, it, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's an ineffectual way to kind of try to break this person out of the cult. The problem is that her health is clearly on the taking a downturn, mm-hmm. probably f- maybe from the drinking, maybe from all the colloidal silver yeah. that she's constantly ingesting. But they, her mom notices on the live stream, she's being carried around by her followers <gasps> and she seems to be paralyzed from the waist down. What? Yeah. So something they, her, her sisters are seeing it. They're so oh, scared God. and worried. They, they say that they knew she was ill. She looked weak and frail and that she was basically that she was kind of turning a gray blue from how much colloidal silver <gasps> she was ingesting. Do we know, like, is that not good for you now? Like, do we know that now or it's just large quantities? I have no idea. But yeah, I, yeah if she if she was ill and they were saying this is what's going right. to fix you, then then right. Yeah. Like, large quantities of anything like that. But I know I'd hate to say anything about colloidal, right. <laughs> colloidal <laughs> silver and not knowing. During a live stream on October 15th, 2020, two of her followers admit Amy has expressed a desire to see a doctor, but they refuse to take her. And they say, there's moments when mom has asked us to take her to the hospital. Nope, there's no way. We know how a hijacking works. So the hijacking is this idea that right as when she's about to ascend, the cabal comes in, kills her and represses the truth. So they're basically like, you can't go to the hospital because it's a hijacking. So all of her own crazy theories are now turned yeah. against her. Um, and her followers are basically like becoming the ones in charge. Wow. The last time an outsider confirms seeing Amy alive is on April 10th, 2021. She's in California. She gets a visit from her landlord and he sees that he thinks she's dying. Yeah. Like she looks so bad. The members say she has cancer, but she hasn't gone to a doctor. So there's no official diagnosis or records of that anywhere. It's just what the followers say. So her mother calls the authorities in California asking to do wellness checks. But every time they go to where the followers and Amy are, they turn the police and the ambulances away. Then on April 16th, 2021, a photo is posted in one of the uh, Love Has One private chat rooms of Father God holding a very frail, incoherent looking Amy in his arms. Mm -hmm. And it is unclear if she's alive or dead (gasps) in the photo. Okay, so her cause of death is as yet to be determined. Uh, because of the lack of medical records mm. and because of the um, state of the body when the coroner got it. Yeah. Charges against four of the seven members that were arrested on April 28th have been dropped, including those against what? Father God, Jason Castillo. Sawatch County District Attorney Alonzo Payne tells Dateline, our office looked at all the documents and everything that was provided. And from our perspective, the allegations could not be met beyond a reasonable doubt. Charges against the remaining three members are still pending. The group 
that existed under the name Love Has One has since disbanded, but many of its members have splintered off and they continue preaching the same ideas under different names. Um, and all the shops that sold products have been shut down. But Lamboy has opened a new nonprofit that basically it's gets them out of paying taxes. Oh, so fuck. any of the money that goes there, they don't have to pay taxes yeah. on it. They now have uh, one of the groups that still live streams has they have a tapestry with a photo of Amy on it. That's like behind them in the shot. Mm. Some of them are still selling etheric surgeries mm. like the way that um, Amy did spiritual surgeries. Mm-hmm. Those are 55 55 for 30 minutes no, discounted. And they're described as your ticket to heaven. For the people who have escaped Love Has Won, their search for spiritual fulfillment continues, but now with a much more cautious approach. A former member who goes by the name Sarah, um, does that's not her real name, mm-hmm. she's scared of retaliation. She says, Amy took a lot of spiritual teachings about vibration and energy that are on the right track, but she hijacked them and said they were hers. I still believe there's truth in those principles, but I'm working on taking Amy out of them. And... Essentially, that is the very strange, bizarre death of Amy Carlson and the story of the Love Has One cult. Wow. I want to find out how she died eventually, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like she, whatever sickness she had, yeah. there was never any, like they were just doing holistic practices yeah. and no no one there so she could have gotten pancreatic cancer yeah yeah. or something that's quick and awful and just ravages your body and then she's just taking colloidal silver or drinking right right or liver cancer maybe horrifying so fucking wild i know wild great job so crazy thank you i know sorry that was so long but it's like there was so much it's just the weirdest thing because i remembered it i remember seeing the story and I think people posting about it on Twitter, but it was just at that point in the pandemic where I'm like, no, yeah. only comedies. I can't do this. Like, I don't want to know. I can't look at this. I mean, it's wild that in the middle of a pandemic that everyone's freaking out about, you could have such an like outside wild story. Yeah. It's like, didn't everything stop? Did everyone's thought, life stop? Right. Why didn't you just... Uh, But also, I think it's like, that's the thing. Like you said, in these unprecedented times, people are scared shitless and they're looking for answers. They're looking for easy, like digestible Mm -hmm. answers and solutions. Mm -hmm. Um, And it makes sense. They're right to want that. They're human to want that. Yeah. Just don't be stupid. Just like it's I don't know. Yeah. Uh. Well, here's the thing. You know, there's very clear, um, you know. They say in cults, it's like if it's one leader, you're not allowed to contradict. You're not allowed to like take in outside information. You cut yourself off from your family. Like there's the whole there's a whole thing of like, is your are you just you know, is it just a group of people who are like minded spiritual seekers? Right. Or are you are you basically being indoctrinated? Yeah. And those are the things where it's like if basically there's one person, they're God, they have all the answers and the rules are theirs. Yeah. To make alone. And, and yeah. suddenly the rules become about carrying, you know, like yeah. you serve me. Yeah. Chicken parmesan. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Well, let's keep it let's keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. Well, because it's Christmas, should we do a couple of fucking arrays? Let's do it. All right. I'll go first. Okay. You go first. This one is from Key Belf. 
Keeb Elf, like a, maybe a Keebler Elf. Oh, this is a, from the fan cult forum. Keeb Elf says, my 18-year-old son rolled his Jeep on his way home from work <gasps> and just has an abrasion on his arm from the side airbags. Holy shit. Jeep is totaled. My son is sore, but no worse for the wear. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Jeep is totaled. That's the scariest shit in the world. Yeah. Wow. Yay. I'm so glad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. Wow. Yeah. This starts. This is from the Gmail. Is this where we send our fucking arrays now? I sure hope so. <laughs> My fucking arrays that after six years of sitting on the fence, talking endlessly about it, and generally feeling ambivalent about the prospect of becoming parents, my sweetheart and I have finally decided to remain child free. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure to have children has felt stifling these past few years, but since landing on this decision, I feel light, I feel free, and I finally feel like I have permission to just be myself. I'm done torturing myself and trying to get excited about something I, quote, should want just because most people do. Fucking array cat with a K. Yeah. Dude, it's Hell okay. Yeah. It's yes. okay, cat. Yes. Congratulations. It's not pioneer days. <laughs> I love it. This is also from the fan cult forum. It says, hello, all. I wanted to send in our family's fucking hooray. Our grandma celebrated her hundredth birthday <gasps> on October 18th. Yes. She has seen it all, buried her parents, sisters, two children and two grandchildren, Aww. but is still going strong. She even still lives alone. Her new goal is hundred is a hundred and five. Holy. My grandma got to 104 <laughs> and lived alone until like the last year. It's amazing. How it's yeah. amazing. I'm glad my son told me about your podcast. I listen on my way to work. I work for California State Prisons. You gals are awesome. Keep up the good work. Jen with two N's. Amazing. Love it. That's happy birthday. Happy birthday, Grandma. Fuck yeah. Okay, this one, this one might make me cry. Okay. I'm a veterinarian and the practice where I work has what is called an angel fund. This is basically a donation based bank account where we, uh, we can use to help animals in need whose owners may not have the means to pay. Mm. Last week, a super sweet stray orange tabby cat was brought into my work with a badly broken leg. The good Samaritan who brought him in was unable to take on his care. So he was left with us. Unfortunately, the leg was so badly broken that amputation was his best option. I named this sweet orange boy Pajama, <laughs> amputated his broken leg, neutered him, and he is thriving. He's now going to be adopted by my brother and sister-in-law who lost their cat a few years ago and are ready for a new pet. Pajama. Pajama. It brings me so much joy that I could save and rehome Pajama. <laughs> and I will still get to see him on a regular basis. Thanks for all you do. Best, Stephanie. That's awesome. Uh, oh, that's right. She basically is like, I want this cat in my life. Yeah. So you guys come and get it. That's Even awesome. It makes me think. I'm sure Steven is crying right now, considering <laughs> his orange tabby's always meowing in the background whenever he's not muted. <laughs> Penny. 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 Um... All right. Thank you, guys. Happy holidays again. We hope you do the best you can. That's all anyone can ask for. Don't forget to go to the movies during the holidays. That's always a fun thing to do. Oh, good idea. Right? You know, just go or go walk around. Go yeah. walk in the park or something if you're stuck at home. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. Movies, great idea. We love you. Thank you for listening. Mm. And stay sexy. And don't get murdered. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Elvis, do you want a cookie? This has been an Exactly Right production. Our producer is Hannah Kyle Crichton. Associate producer, Alejandra Keck. Engineer and mixer, Stephen Ray Morris. Researchers, Jay Elias and Haley Gray. 
Send us your hometowns and your fucking hoorays at myfavoritemurder at gmail.com. And follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at myfavoritemurder and Twitter at myfavemurder. And for more information about this podcast, our live shows, merch, or to join the fan cult, go to myfavoritemurder.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>